Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I am talking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico and former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District, Steve Pierce. Steve, a lot of things going on this week. I want to get started right away because we have a lot going on in this show, plus a great guest coming up. Grants, New Mexico. The mayor of Grants, Modi Hicks, defying the governor's orders. Your thoughts? Well, I said to press during the week that you've got mayors and county commissioners who are worried about the future of their county and the people who live in it. The fabric of our state is being torn apart. The Republican Party continues to speak for small businesses, saying that whatever rules apply to the big box stores should apply to the small businesses. They can accomplish social distancing. They can do as many things that will protect health and safety as the big box stores. Just quit running all the customers through the doors of the big box stores because it starves New Mexico for capital. It sends our capital out of the state by the close of business every day that you shop at one of the big box stores. They don't contribute to your softball league. They don't contribute to the soccer league. That's what Mayor Hicks is doing. We're going to talk in this program with Isabel Brown. She is a young conservative working for Turning Point USA. She's also working with Prager University. She's doing her master's degree at Georgetown and has started up her own YouTube channel. So fascinating young person that we're going to interview today. She's 23 years old, Generation Z. So we've got that online. Protests springing up across New Mexico, though. Curiously, one outside the correctional facility in central New Mexico. The central New Mexico correctional facility was the site of one of these protests, and that was saying to free everybody. Now, listen to this. People are turning in their neighbors to have them either fined or arrested for going into business or trying to just take their family for a walk. And you've got protesters saying free all the criminals. New Mexico is already at the top and crime. I just don't understand the thinking of people saying it's unsafe for criminals to be in jail, but we're going to put your law-abiding citizens in jail. Likewise, you had a protest of people who are speaking up saying it's time to open up New Mexico. That was occurring over the weekend at the governor's mansion there in Santa Fe. And so just a huge, huge outpouring of thought and emotions as people struggle against losing everything they've worked their entire life to earn. And that's kind of where the stakes are today. You know, the Navajo Nation is just being torn asunder by COVID-19. They have probably one of the highest per capita rates. They just increased by another 97 cases over the weekend. They're up to 1,637 cases on the reservation, 59 deaths. The Navajo Nation, their government has put in curfews, stay-at-home orders. They're giving out fines heavy fines, and they're trying to do what they can. But through some of New Mexico, we still don't have any cases at all in some of the counties. And those residents are saying, wait, we're safe. Why are you forcing us to go outside our county to buy food, to buy our essentials? Why are you forcing us to go into Albuquerque or into Las Cruces? Our county doesn't have any cases at all. So that's a voice that is clear and present. Now, you've also got county commissioners who are now passing resolutions urging the governor to go ahead and reopen their county businesses. I know that Sierra has done that. Lee County was talking about doing it. Eddy County, a lot of the counties around the states having these discussions and it's something that the governor can't just continue to ignore. She has in the past simply said, we're going to do what's safe for you. If it's safe to go into a big box store, tell me why it is unsafe to go into a small business. 
That's our only question. We're not questioning her facts or her figures or the fact that it's a crisis. It's just if it's safe for hundreds of people at a time to be in a big box store, why is it unsafe for five to 10 people to be in a small business? So we're gonna continue being that voice for the mom and pop business for the main street man and woman who makes this state work. The everyday man and woman who just makes and invest in their community and they make things happen, they make things work. That's who we're gonna continue to be a voice for. When I spoke to Mayor Hicks of Grants, he said basically what you're saying, but also how does she get to decide who's essential? In other words, if you own a business and that's how you put food on your table and she shuts you down, well, that business was essential to you. And I asked him if he was willing to go to jail. So are you prepared, if she were to bring in the state police, are you prepared to go to jail? You betcha, Derek. I'll go to jail for the Constitution of the United States of America. I was ready to die for the Constitution of the United States of America in 1979 when I joined the Marine Corps. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in this country, and I believe in this state. She's tearing this state apart. She's tearing the Constitution apart. So he's standing strong. He's got constitutional lawyers who will work pro bono to defend him. And he's also, he told me, Attorney General William Barr was watching the situation. That's what it takes. It takes somebody in a position to where it's not just a protest out on the streets. There's nothing wrong with those. We have a First Amendment right to do that. But he is speaking for his entire community. I know him well. I admire him. I I believe that he is sincere. And when he says that he's trying to save his community, he's talking about for real. So now then you have to look at the national stage. In the recent days, Joe Biden went in front of a group of his supporters and said that he is excited about the COVID-19. He sees this pandemic as an opportunity to basically change America's values. He said that he's going to do everything he can to implement the whole Green New Deal, which means that about 100,000 jobs in New Mexico are going to be lost. He went on CNN to say, yes, this is an opportunity that we need to be looking at changing the way that America consumes fuel. We're, we're going to have an opportunity, I believe, in the next round here to use the my uh, green economy, my, my green deal, or uh, to be able to generate both economic growth and consistent with the kind of infusion of monies we need into the system to keep it going. Well, we don't have wind cars. We don't have solar cars. If they are electric cars, they're getting 50% of their electricity from coal. So many people say, those are coal-fired cars. They're not electric cars. It makes the environmentalists furious. But uh, sit uh, sit your car out and uh, hook up a, a wind generator or a solar cell to it. See how long it takes to charge. See how far you can drive on the charge. And you'll begin to understand why some people are fighting to keep our oil and gas industry vital. Again, a difference between the president who is fighting this pandemic as a serious threat using the highest level of information he can get from doctors, from researchers, from the health models. And meanwhile, Joe Biden is looking at it as an opportunity. I just think nothing declares a difference between the candidates more clearly than that one perception. The president has said outright that he will keep oil and gas vital. If the uh, Saudis and Russians keep overproducing, then he will put tariffs or he will take some stance in order to make the price be at the market price rather than their artificial deflation of it. So a lot is at stake for New Mexico as we proceed through this COVID-19 threat 
into rebuilding the economy and then what it would look like after the presidential election. Again, we are facing an economic disaster in this state. We've lost our oil and gas, a great amount of it. It provides 40% of the state's budget. We also have lost our small businesses. They provide gross receipts to our state's budget. And we've also lost the tourism business, which is a driver in New Mexico's economy. And so when you add those three together, we're looking at a devastating effect on our budget. We've got a lot more to talk about in the next segment. Again, we'll be talking to Isabel Brown. Stay tuned with us. Thanks to all our local radio stations who are airing these programs. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veterans Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. And Steve, instead of having a guest on the phone, we're getting high tech here. We've got a Zoom guest today. We do. Uh, the Republican Party nationwide was able to switch over in 24 hours to a virtual campaign. We are linked up. Isabel Brown just kind of flew like a skyrocket, a, a shooting star across my screen. She texted or or emailed a couple of weeks ago. Since then, I've been online kind of checking things out, uh, seeing if she's really who she says she is. The thing that caught my attention was she made the Newsweek magazine. Now, I flew my plane around the world about four or five years ago, and I didn't get the cover of Newsweek magazine. (laughs) I've been in Congress for 14 years, and I didn't get the Newsweek cover. So, Isabel, tell us a little bit about yourself, and I eventually want to get to how you scored this cover with Newsweek, but tell us where you're from and a little bit about your background. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Congressman, for having me on. I'm so excited about getting to know conservatives of all ages, but especially people who might be out of touch with what's happening on America's college campuses from all over the country and especially in New Mexico. I grew up in Colorado, and that's where I am right now. It's a beautiful day today, but really have had my eyes opened in the last few years throughout my college experience in Colorado and now living in Washington, D.C., attending graduate school at Georgetown University, just how extreme the assault on conservative values and just freedom and liberty is on college campuses in America today. As an outspoken conservative college student working as an activist with Turning Point USA, during my college experience, I was the number one target on my campus, often received death threats, threats of violence. My address to my one-bedroom apartment was posted online for the whole world to see and was encouraged to be targeted because I was sharing those conservative values on a loud scale on my college campus. At the time in college, I was pre-med and never anticipated doing conservative commentary or working in the social media field uh, like I am today. So it's definitely been a whirlwind of an experience in the last few years, but I'm incredibly lucky now to continue that activism journey through Turning Point USA as a contributor, which is essentially a spokesperson for the organization. Now, one of the things that uh, really has got my attention is that you're a visiting professor, I think you said, with Prager University. I am so lucky to get to work with both Dennis and the greater organization with PragerU. Dennis has become a wonderful mentor of mine as well, and I think he's a true voice of reason uh, and faith in our generation throughout all of America right now, and really every age in America can resonate with what Dennis says on a day-to-day basis. So we're very lucky to have him and to learn from him. I have the unique opportunity to make videos with PragerU every once in a while, and last summer actually lived in Los Angeles and worked out of the PragerU office every day 
while Los Angeles isn't my favorite part of the United States of America, it was incredibly an, a wonderful opportunity for me to open my eyes to how much social media is playing such an important role in changing the minds and the hearts of young Americans in particular. The vast majority of people who watch PragerU videos are under the age of 35. And of those viewers, most people have had their minds changed on an issue. So really, it's taking those 360 degree, very complicated topics of what we believe in and boiling that down to a five minute video that's easy for an 18 to 25 year old to understand. So I make videos like that with PragerU that are very short, talking about current events on college campuses, what the left is lying to young Americans about, uh, and how we can convince more young Americans to embrace that conservative part that Dennis Prager always so eloquently articulates. Great. Now, you're also associated with Turning Point USA. I think it's the same one that Chuck Colson started, or is it an offshoot or maybe different completely? Turning Point USA was started by Charlie Kirk, who's one of the most well-known young conservatives here in America these days. I started out with Turning Point on my college campus as the chapter president of our club at Colorado State University, and now have recently transitioned into my new position there as a contributor, which is essentially a spokesperson for the young conservative movement in America. And I'm very lucky to be on that team. You yourself have started the YouTube video channel on the front lines. Is that your own invention or is that a piece of Prager or University or is that a part of Turning Point? It sure is my own, Congressman, and it's a lot of work. Let me tell you, not knowing that I wanted to go into video production and editing and filming, I had to learn a lot this year. I spent many hours watching YouTube videos, teaching myself how it worked. But I think that's a really beautiful illustration of how our American dream works. You never really know what you want your dream to turn into in terms of a reality until you feel that feeling in your heart. When I came up with this idea based on my own college experience, I knew that there were thousands of other conservative students facing extreme backlash that I could never even imagine. And I wanted to tell those stories because the mainstream media really wasn't doing a great job at doing that. So every week I have the opportunity to sit down for many hours on end and edit footage and speak to students. And I'm very humbled and very honored to have the opportunity to tell the stories of students who really are fighting that culture war that will determine the future of America. I think that one of your videos that uh, really captured my attention was Shekinah Geist, a young black conservative. Tell me a little bit about Shekinah. Where is she from? That, that was fascinating discussion that you had with her. Yeah, so essentially to provide an overview of what On the Frontline seeks to do as well. Generally, I sit down with one college student at a time and I just ask them about what their experience has been trying to share conservative values on their college campus and the backlash that they've had to face really associated with that movement, with that push to share their values. Shekinah is a good friend of mine through Turning Point USA. She is a Turning Point ambassador. And I met Shekinah at a few conferences a while back, a few years ago, and was just instantly struck by her story. She's from Greeley, Colorado, which is about an hour and a half from where I grew up, and was adopted from a single mom who was 15 years old. She's black into a white family in Colorado. And throughout her college experience has now made it a point of hers to try to share conservative values to the black community because she believes that black Americans have been lied to by the Democrat Party for so long and really has faced some of the most extreme backlash of any young advocate I've ever seen for conservative values. She was bullied so severely that she decided to drop out of college and now is working in the social media influencer field full time, trying to convince more young black Americans to change their mind and switch to conservatism. She's definitely a fighter and somebody that I don't believe will ever give up on sharing her values. Oh, I love that story. I think the mission that you've taken on to give voice to people who have really been bullied very harshly is tremendously important because even one voice causes people to turn and look and say, ah, that's the way I think. And so I just compliment you. Now, 
that seems like a fairly major undertaking for somebody who's what 22 or 23 years old. Do you just go out and print the money? Tell me a little bit about how you support <laughs> that mission. Well, it is definitely difficult and I do wear a lot of hats. I'm also in graduate school on top of all of this, wrapping up my last week of school at Georgetown University online this week. Uh, so a lot of it is time management, but a lot of it, yeah, has been fundraising money on my own, trying to do the best that I can in budgeting and working with my own salary every month and just seeing how I can support myself the best way that I can. And so most of it involves a lot of donation of my time to the project, but it's a project that I really believe in and something that I think we need to continue working on because we did and what with me and my story is so terrible. But we tell these stories to resonate with other young conservatives. What I really found speaking to college students just like myself all across the country with Turning Point USA has been that people are afraid to tell other people what they've been through as a conservative because they're embarrassed. And when we have the opportunity to connect young conservatives with one another, with those similar experiences of being so targeted, we encourage them to keep fighting back, to keep standing up and to keep advocating for their conservative beliefs. Now, Dennis Prager on his fireside chats during the last week or so asked a very significant question. And he said, all adults should be asking this. He said, by the way, we don't become adults at a certain age. We become adults when we desire to be adults. And he said, we've got to ask, what's the cost? And so to you, what's the cost of doing what you're doing right now? Well, ultimately, I'm willing to put everything down for what I'm doing and for the cause of the conservative movement. And I think so many young Americans are starting to believe that and starting to join in on that with themselves and uh, their own stories and their own life. I didn't really realize how serious this culture war that we are fighting was until I went to college myself. And I think many Americans who aren't associated with college campuses right now and who haven't been on a campus for 10 20, 30 years, or even the last five years, would be so unfamiliar with what that experience looks like for conservative students, for students who are questioning what they believe. It is an all-out assault on limited government, on freedom, on liberty, on belief in God even. And it is very alarming to me, the level of indoctrination that is being propagated against America's next generation with millennials and Generation Z. Uh, so ultimately, I'm in this fight for the long haul. I've given up relationships. I've given up friendships, relationships with family members, many of my relationships with professors and cause that's important because it's so much more than just myself and my experience in college. It's going to be about the future of our country and ultimately the people that we elect to Congress, the people that become governors and presidents and how the policy of our nation will be formed moving forward. If Turning Point USA and young conservatives have anything to say about it, we will never be a socialist country and we're working very hard to make sure every young American knows that socialism sucks. Either decide to stand up for principle or you're going to choose power. Power and principle do not coexist, and you can only choose one of them. And so I think that that's what you're doing is choosing principle at this stage of your life. I can tell you that there's no better course to be on. Other courses end up with this empty feeling in your soul. They end up years later with you saying, I wish I had. I wish I had stood up. I wish I had spoken up. I wish I had chosen a different path. And that, my young friend, is, is what you're choosing right now. You're choosing a pathway that is tortuous. It's difficult. It's hard. But at the end of the day, you collapse into this tired heat saying, I have fought a good fight today. I'm going to go out and fight a good fight tomorrow. And when you're looking at your life in retrospect, nothing will replace what you should have been, could have done. There are no riches, no nothing that replace that feeling. So I compliment you on it. Again, we've been listening to Isabel Brown. She's now one of my newest heroes. I admire anyone who is out on the front line. Thank you so much. God bless you and thank you for the opportunity. Steve Pierce and I will be back in just a moment with more Inside New Mexico.
On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. We are talking with our chairman of the Republican Party, Steve Pierce. Derek, just a tremendous number of things coming up. First of all, absentee ballots. Uh, you can apply for them now online. My wife and I put our applications in the other day. The opportunity to vote in person is going to exist. It's just how long the lines will be or how many polling places actually open up. There are a minimum number required by law, and the Supreme Court issued the directions to the Secretary of State. You recall when the Supreme Court sided with Republicans in our suit, the Democrats were wanting to do a VBM system, which is uh, rife with corruption. And uh, the Supreme Court said, no, that's illegal. They instead said the Republicans are interpreting the law right. We are going to instruct the Secretary of State to have at least the minimum number of polling places open and encourage people to vote by mail. So those absentee ballots are available now. As we take a, a broad look at our budget, we talked about that in segment number one. But I saw a news article just yesterday saying that dozens of oil tankers are full of oil sitting off the coast of Southern California. Another 40 or so are headed into Houston from Saudi Arabia. What that means is when we actually start driving again, that the price of oil is going to stay low because the Saudi Arabians are having to pay for that oil to sit in the tankers every day. Every day they pay rent on it rather than selling it to a refinery. That brings their net sales price down. And so they're going to be eager to sell that at almost any price to get those ships emptied up and headed back over to where they can uh, carry more oil away. The world is awash in oil. Now, many of the left had said that we had reached peak oil 20 or 30 years ago, that we we're going to see a decline and that uh, we we're going to starve out for oil. The free market solves problems very well. And so uh, the price of oil went into negative territory the other day, just about five days ago. That means that people were having to pay to get rid of their oil. They're having to pay someone to take the oil from them because they didn't have any more storage. They couldn't release it onto the ground. Their entire process was beginning to bottleneck. And so that's what the free market does. When you need a supply of something, the free market will solve it. Socialism cannot solve those problems. They have government regulations. They have government bureaucrats who are not operating on the free market principle and they don't know how to get the production where it is. So you see those socialist states like Russia always struggling to make oil. China does not have very big production capacity. Those systems are not nearly as competitive and as good at solving problems, especially economic problems, as the free market. On another major note, U.S. hospitals are reported now. There's a, a state senator, Scott Jensen, who is also a physician. He reported back that the hospitals are being paid to describe people as having coronavirus. If the hospital admits somebody under coronavirus, they get $13,000. If they actually put them on a ventilator, they get $39,000. I've seen this before. When I was in Congress, many times people were applying for grants from the government to do research on global 
global warming. If you were going to apply to do global warming research to prove that it's actually happening, then you could get funded. If your thesis was that global warming is not real, then you didn't get funded. So the government has a way of causing all the science to skew one direction or the other. And when this doctor reports that he has received the instructions on how to apply for funding by declaring people having coronavirus, you know that there are people out there, unscrupulous people in the medical field who will fill out the forms no matter what the cause of death, no matter what the cause of admission into the hospital. So that is something that's happening. One of the big questions right now that uh, you saw Nancy Pelosi say that this last funding bill and that one got signed into law, again, about a half trillion dollars for small businesses and other issues. Nancy Pelosi says it did not have the state bailouts in there. Mitch McConnell is saying that the states need to file for bankruptcy. So that's a coming fight that you'll see in this next round of stimulus funding. And be watching, we'll describe in next week's program what the implications of that are. But a huge, big, big discussion right now because states do not have their pension funds fully funded. And so those pension funds are driving their state budgets into the negative territory, into deficits. McConnell is saying you got to free yourself from those pension plans. The U.S. government, there's not enough money even being printed to pay for that. Nancy Pelosi says, yes, the, the federal government does have to pay for it. And this Sunday, Albuquerque Journal, the governor of New Mexico, Michelle Grisham, has put an article in, and she is already saying in that article that the federal government needs to be responsible for our shortfalls here. No, it was her administration that spent more money than we should have been spending. She was warned that the price of oil is very volatile, that it's going to go down. So that is a coming fight across the country. The states who have have lived in a conservative fashion, who've made conservative decisions, lived within their budgets, are going to be much more sound than those who have said there's no end to the dollars. We're going to pay for everybody to do everything. Coming fight. Watch for it. Have a great weekend, everyone. And we will talk to you next week on Inside New Mexico. Don't forget to stay engaged with what's happening by going to the Republican Party's website at www.gopnm.org. You can get the latest news, upcoming events, information about elected officials, voter resources, and all kinds of important and useful information about the party and its mission. You can listen to previous editions of Inside New Mexico on the website. You can also go to the party's Facebook page or see what they're talking about on Twitter. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. We also want to remind our listeners that the Republican Party is always looking for volunteers to help them with their mission to win New Mexico for President Trump and to turn the roundhouse red. You can call the party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. Thanks for listening. We look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.